Good to see each of you tonight, and glad that you could make it out. Hope you had a good day. Down on the coast where I live, the weather changes all the time, and I thought that was the only place that happened, but apparently not. <laughs> Come in and had snow last night, and sunshine today, and I understand it's going to be warm tomorrow, and it sure was nice today. We enjoyed it, and hope you had a good day. We had a good day. We went out to children's home this morning, and saw the little kids out there, and spent some time with them, and Reminds me what a bunch of little kids can do to several dozen donuts. They had a good time. They, they really did. We enjoyed that, our time with them. and Hope that you get a chance to do that the next time they go out there as, as a congregation. We're going to talk about a subject tonight about a woman. A very courageous woman in the Bible that we see that had a bad problem. Now the title of the lesson is Touch the Hem of His Garment. That'll go away here in a minute, I think. There we go. And it comes from a reading in the Bible from Luke the 8th chapter, verses 43 through 48. And we're going to read this, and I'm going to stop along the way. We're going to talk about some of this stuff because it's important to understand what condition she was in and her desperation because she was a desperate individual at this time. In verse 43 it says, And a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all of her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. Now she had an issue of blood, a condition that a lady would have. We'll leave it there. And she had spent every bit of her money trying to get healed and she just couldn't do it. Verse 44 says, came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? It's just a big old group of people there, apparently. And they were all pressed in there, and this lady reaches out and touches the hem of the garment that Jesus was wearing. And Jesus immediately says, Who touched me? Well, they didn't know. I mean, it, they were a bunch of people in there, and it's kind of... I'm sure that everywhere Jesus went, there for a good while, people just flocked to Him because they'd heard about Him, they knew about Him, and she knew about Him because she came to Him. She had a problem she couldn't deal with. She had a problem that nobody could deal with. She spent all the money she had on it and still couldn't do that. Who touched me? Jesus said. And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid... She came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Can you imagine what she might have been thinking? She's got trouble in her life. Desperation and... You know, her... The story is not a whole lot different than a lot of people in the world, is it? There's a lot of desperate people in the world. There's a lot of desperate people that's done all that they know to do and taken all the measures that they know to take and maybe spent all the money that they have and still they've got desperation. Now the story of her problem lies in this verse. She had an incurable disease. The disease had left her unclean even as a Jew. Now under Jewish law in Leviticus 15, 
We could go back and read that. We're not going to spend some time on that. But in her condition, she was deemed unclean by the Jewish law because of her condition. And she had spent all of her money. She needed something that no one else could give her. And she reached out in her courage and touched Jesus. She was desperate. Physically, her health was gone. Financially, she spent all she had. And spiritually, she was deemed unclean. She had a problem. I want to think about her and as she was there that day. Not just all of what her condition was, but we know that. That's been well established. But what about that day? That day, what was she thinking? Well, we don't know exactly what she was thinking. But you know, she was moving towards death. I mean, if she had that condition and it couldn't be fixed, she knew she was getting ready to die. That is a whole lot like people are today. In Hebrews 9 and 27, the Bible says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. And we talked earlier in the week about an appointment that we'll all have. We'll all have that appointment, we'll all make that appointment. A lot of people try to avoid that. We talked about that this week. And all the measures that they try to employ to, to miss out on this one right here. And it is appointed unto men once to die. And then the judgment. That's going to happen. She knew she was headed there. She knew that if she didn't turn something around, that was going to come to her pretty soon. And then, again, financially, she couldn't buy what she needed. A lot like us. We can't buy the things that we really need. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Why did Jesus say that? Well, the reason He said it is because it has no value. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It's not going to buy what you really need. It's not going to give you the things that you really value in life when you really get to thinking about what's important. And spiritually, she was separated from those Jews. And today, people are separated through sin. It's sin that separates us. We're a desperate people out here. In Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we know we're all in that position. Does it say that some have? No, it says all have. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So mankind, when we reach, reach that age of accountability, we've got something to deal with. Sin. In Isaiah 59 and 2, the Bible tells us what sin does. What it does to us spiritually. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you, that He will not hear. Do you think sin is important to your spiritual concern? You bet you. Because if we got sin that we haven't dealt with, then that's what's happening to us right there. It separates us between us and God. And sins, your sins, my sins, have hid His face from you that He will not hear. That's a... That's a desperate position to be in. Spiritually, we all have a problem. 
Now today we want to talk about the woman's determination. Her determination that she's going to get something done about that. What do you think was hindering her? We try to get in her head there just for a little while and think about what was hindering her. What do you think was discouraging her from coming to Jesus? Now you know you think about people and you think about things and how people are and the nature of people and their fears and their judgments on things and what they want to do. You know, she may have thought, you know, this is just not going to work for me. I'm too bad. How many times have we heard that? How many times have we met people that thought they were too bad to reach out and touch Jesus? People say it all the time. I've done too much in my life, I'll tell you that. You'll hear them say that. And it's sad. It's sad that they've come to that conclusion, but you know, maybe she was doing that same thing. You know, we have no indication that she just ran up there and did that on a whim. Perhaps she'd been thinking about that for a long time. It was kind of an unusual thing. She kind of had to reach into there and get in that group of people and kind of slip in there and do what she did. So perhaps she was thinking about that. And maybe she thought, it's just not going to do any good. I'm, I'm in too bad a shape. I just don't think it's going to work for me. There's too many people here. What are they going to think? Are they going to fuss at me? Are they going to make fun of me? And you know, Jesus has got a lot more important things to do than deal with me. I don't know that she thought all of those things. But you know, we know from human nature that that's the kind of thought process that people have from time to time. And they don't have courage. But she pressed on. She had faith and pushed through. In another account of this in Mark the 5th chapter, hang on. i got a minor technical difficulty here. Here we go. Hang on. If I can find this scripture I'm looking at. Well, the woman's deliverance. When Jesus said, Who touched me? And all denied Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. Now her deliverance came from the contact with Jesus. What is that? Isn't it just exactly like it always is? Faith, that's her believing that that was going to happen, plus her doing that. What does it equal? Salvation. In our lives, faith plus obedience equals salvation. We have to know. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We know that it takes something else. It took something else for her. She believed that or she wouldn't have reached out and touched Him. Did she have faith that Jesus could help her? You betcha. But what did it take? Do you think she would have been healed if she hadn't have done that? If she would have said, you know, I believe that Jesus can do that, but I, I think there's just too many people here today. And I don't want to take that chance, and I don't want to be fussed at, and I don't want to be, I don't want to stand out in that crowd. What do you think? That day, if she would have said, I really believe that he can do that, but I just don't know, and I think what I'm going to do is just turn and go back home. Maybe another day. Maybe there's a day in the future that maybe I can see Jesus and reach out and touch Him. What did she do? She pressed on, didn't she? Faith plus obedience equals salvation. In her case, it was her faith 
and her reaching out that brought her where she needed to be. It's the whole theme of the Bible. Even in her faith, she needed to contact Jesus, and she contacted the Savior and received that blessing. She was a new woman and had a chance now to start over. We talked about Nicodemus. I want to talk about him again because I think it's a great scripture here because it talks about the fact that we can start over, that no matter how bad we are, no matter how much we've got it wrong, no matter how many times we've failed, maybe we failed in all areas of our life, maybe we think we're too bad. Maybe we think we've done too many things that were just so wrong in our life that God couldn't forgive us. It's not true. It's not true. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said, to him, said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And this is what Jesus said to him. Now, this ruler of the Jews comes to him and said, I, I know you are the real thing, Jesus, because nobody could do the things that you do. We've seen the miracles. We've seen you do those things. We've seen you do all of these things. We know that you're from God. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, and, and he was bewildered with this, that term. You know, maybe he'd never heard that before. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus was describing to Nicodemus how that somebody can start completely over. That's what she did. Paul says to the church in Rome, in Romans the sixth chapter, talks about baptism here. Know you not that so many of us, as us were baptized unto Jesus Christ, were baptized unto his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Paul goes on to say, For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We understand that term, don't we? We've been planted together in the likeness of His death. When Jesus died, He was buried. When we die to our sins, we're buried. We shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. When Jesus was resurrected from the grave, we come out of our watery grave, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him. And just like Jesus died and was buried and rose, then we die. To our sins, we are buried with Him in baptism and we rise out of that grave to walk in newness of life. Our old man is crucified with Him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin for he that is dead is free from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. We believe that. We know it's true. Now, her chance to start over was by touching that hymn. And there she did it. Today, Jesus is there and ready for people to start over. But we must reach out and touch Jesus. You know, before Jesus died, He had the power 
to forgive sins right there on earth. We see that in Luke 23, 43, and Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Who's he talking to? Well, we hear about him all the time. He's talking to the thief. He's talking to that, to the thief on the cross. In another account in Luke 5, 18, starting 18, and behold, there was there brought a man a bed in a bed, excuse me, I'm on the wrong one, I believe. And behold, men brought a bed which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before me, before him. And when they could not find that way, they might bring him in because of the multitude. They went on the housetop, upon the housetop, and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst of before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And I got that confused with the thief a while ago, sorry. Jesus had the power to forgive sins. He had the power on earth. But after the death of Christ... We see that that plan of salvation was left for us. At His death, the church had that plan of salvation. In Acts, the second chapter, when the day of Pentecost had come, the Jews realized what they did after Peter had talked to them. And they realized the the thing that they had done. And they knew what they had to do. Now, At the death of Jesus, the church was established. And that plan of salvation was ushered in. The plan that we have and we follow today. We don't have Jesus here that can reach out and and forgive sins today immediately. He does it through that plan of salvation. Through the plan that we now have to touch the hem of Jesus in baptism. Baptism. Ah. Hey, I'm having a hard time with that today. Romans 6 and 4. Paul tells, tells us about baptism. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism unto death, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. Through what? Baptism. How do we reach out to Jesus? It's through this act. And by the time we see the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, we now see the plan of salvation left to the church, and even to the Gentiles. In Acts the ninth chapter, the account of Saul on the road to Damascus, Paul speaks of his conversion, and, and we see that, that later on he talks about his own conversion after that had happened. Acts 22, he teaches us here about what happened to him. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews that dwelt there, came unto me. And this is Paul talking. And he's given us this account about how that, that he had been on the road to Damascus. He'd been blinded. And an ice came to him. And this is how it goes. Came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him and he said, The God of our fathers have chosen thee that thou should know his will and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be a witness unto all men of that that thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou, arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. This was how he reached out and touched Jesus. 
Every conversion in the New Testament after the death of Christ involved that baptism. We read about that. We read about the conversions. You know, Christ changed the world forever. That's how we measure time. And I, you know, all the way across the world, no matter who it is and what country they live in, we all measure time by the death of Jesus Christ. He changed the world forever. Now, people don't give credit to that, but time is measured by Jesus. Christ is historically and spiritually correct at His death. God's people were given a new plan, a new testament. And in Hebrews 9 and 12, it says it talks about that testament. And it's just like a, a last will and testament. Now, if you have a will, you go down to the lawyer's office and you, and you say, I want all of my stuff, I'm, I will to Tom Hickler. And you sign that and you put it in a safety deposit box. Well, I don't get that stuff until you die. Because it's the last will and testament. Well, when Jesus died, that testament came to us. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is no strength at all while a testator liveth. So that plan of salvation that's in that New Testament was not in force until Christ died. He had the power to forgive sins. The guy that was sick, and thief on the cross, and all those other guys. The old law was passed away. Are you familiar with a term called ordinance? It means law. And I think we all understand that. If we went to the city of Amarillo and said, hey, can I let my dog run loose without it being on a leash? They'd say, no, we have an ordinance against that. Well, can I set off fireworks in the city? No, we have an ordinance against that. Well, an ordinance is a law. Now, those are minor laws, no doubt. But ordinances are just that. So here in Colossians 2 and 14, we see where the old law is taken away. Where is the end of that old law? That old Jewish law that, that said we had to live under those 613 laws that were given to the children of Israel and we had to do all of those things and all the way they had to do everything and it was pretty hard to live under. The Bible says they were contrary. Falling out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. When Jesus died, the old law was put away. The new law was ushered in. And with that, that plan of salvation. Thank God that happened. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, to the Gentiles, to all the non-Jews it was given. That woman that we have spoke about this evening has set us a great example, hadn't she? Think about that, her faith, how many others that day that was there with her and around her and what it took for her to do that, the conviction, the perseverance, the motivation that she had to try to get out there and do something because she knew she had a condition that needed to be dealt with, a commitment. We think about how many others have reached out and touched Jesus. Yeah. You know, you may be here today and haven't done that. Maybe you have not reached out and touched Jesus. Maybe you have thought about that. Maybe you have contemplated that. Maybe you said, well, I'm not good enough for that. Or maybe everybody's too busy for that. 
Or maybe they won't be happy about that. Have you reached out and touched Jesus? The way we touch Jesus now, after our faith, is through baptism. And like her, faith plus obedience equals salvation. To walk in newness of life. Maybe you've done that and look back, become entangled in the world. The scripture talks about that. Talks about people that maybe have done that. In 2 Peter 2 and 20, the Bible says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. And we're to, what are we talking about here? We're talking about somebody that was following Christ, but they've been entangled in the world and become overcome. It happens to people. But there's a way back. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. There's a way back. And that's through Christ Jesus. Have you done that? Have you reached out and touched that hymn? Or maybe you did and you slipped back. If you have, I want you to think about that tonight. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day that we can rectify that. Today is a day that you can reach out and touch the hymn of Jesus' garment in baptism. If you hadn't done that, I would encourage you to come and do that as we stand and sing.